You're listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turk, Emily Yates, and Gerard Cuomo. All are current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years of EMS experience. Each month we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, offering many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone to the Medic Materials Podcast. My name is Mike Turek, and today I am... All alone. There's no one in the podcast studio here with me. And the reason being is that January, the end of January specifically, was so intensely busy for the four of us that literally we just had too many scheduling conflicts to make this work. And we were not at all going to be able to do this, even via like Skype or over the internet, or and we just didn't want to change the quality of the podcast by doing it over the internet. Um, and uh, unless the four of us could be here, Gerard and Emily and Kelsey and I, and it, we just couldn't do it without the four of us around the table. So uh, today is going to be a little different kind of episode. Um, I am going to sign off here in a few seconds, but I want you guys to, to maintain calm. Don't freak out. Think of it as... I'm going into my 487th code. I got this, okay? What we're going to be doing is Gerard and Emily and I, uh, before Kelsey actually joined the program on the regular, uh, we had recorded a lost episode, per se, uh, talking all about rapid sequence intubation, RSI. And this was recorded back uh, in December, mid-December, right around like the 10th or so, it was getting ready for Christmas, and um, we ended up not utilizing it. Um, we were starting to change up our audio, and we didn't want to use it because we were changing microphones and this, that, the other thing. So uh, the audio might sound a little wonky because you guys have gotten used to the new, more expensive microphones that we've been using. Um but uh, the information is going to be awesome. Gerard has been saying, you know, fuck the uh, fuck the quality. These guys need to hear the audio. So this was the perfect opportunity for us to use a lost episode that I've just been holding in the bag. Um, so we're gonna be we're gonna be you know trudging on. We're still gonna give you content because the momentum on this podcast is there, guys, and uh, it's all because of you guys listening and you know interacting with the show. So I just wanna you know before we start anything, I just wanna say thank you to that and uh, to continue the awesome work that you guys are doing. You're following the Instagram at Medic Materials Edu. You guys are following the Facebook page. Uh, uh, at Medic Materials EDU on Facebook. Make sure if you're not a subscriber or a follower to either one of those platforms, make sure to go. There's great information, you know, on those every single day. I upload literally every single day to those. The Medic Materials YouTube channel, all you got to do is go on, on YouTube, search Medic Materials, hit that big red subscribe button. You're going to see a new video every single Friday. And 
the podcast guys the podcast has seen exponential growth and it's because you guys are listening the biggest way to support the podcast growth is to rate and review the podcast so go in rate the podcast show review it leave a review leave a comment in there on whatever podcast platform you guys use i see them all and uh tell us this stuff is great this stuff sucks mike sucks emily sucks kelsey sucks gerard sucks whoever sucks or hey we're brilliant and we're great just give us your your fair honest opinion that's all i ask and we will try and do best by each and every one of you guys if you want to talk to us directly you can always email the show just uh email info at medicmaterials.com so without further ado guys i hope you stay safe you guys are going to really enjoy this uh sadly this was before kelsey joined the show on a permanent and um you know, she wasn't able to, you know, join in in the RSI discussion. But since this episode, she has been lucky enough to actually be involved in two RSIs. Uh, so that's fabulous for her. So till next, uh, you know, next episode, guys, thank you again. And uh, I will see you in the middle of the month. Stay strong. Welcome to the Medic Materials Podcast. I am here with uh, Gerard, podcast regular since the beginning. And uh, our newest podcast regular since last month emily hi hello, hi hello i know you're so excited to be here i am you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> we'll change that real quick <laughs> dealing with us too well you, you deal with your husband enough it's i was fine. gonna say um so today we're gonna do something a little different we're not gonna do a particular call review um we're gonna have a generalized discussion on rsi rapid sequence intubation or other parts of the country noted know it as mfi medication facilitated uh, intubation and the first thing i think we have to discuss is the the rapidness of the rsi the rapid of the rapid sequence intubation there's in my opinion there's nothing rapid about it i don't know why people teach it as this should be no. a rapid skill no this is a methodical slow process to make sure everything gets right. Now, for those that don't know what RSI is, that is where you use sedation medications as well as um, paralytic medications to sedate and paralyze your patient to be able to intubate them in a safe environment. So your respiratory arrest patients, people who are still breathing on their own, but maybe have tuckered out and are going down the respiratory arrest path, or maybe... <laughs> They're a trauma patient and you have to protect their airway. There's a lot of different reasons why we RSI people, but I think we have to start the discussion on the rapidness of the RSI. Yeah, Your guys' I, thoughts. Yeah, I would I would say that it is it is a horrible name for that procedure. Agreed. Uh, whoever thought it up, I, I get where they're at. You know, it's it's we wanna you know, secure an airway, and we're going to do it as quickly as possible using medications. Okay, we're going to call it rapid sequence intubation. Now, somebody should have called it slow your ass down, make damn sure what you're doing first, sequence intubation. That's know? that's too long of an acronym. It's, you're getting into government acronyms. I was going to say, you know? yeah, it's going to be like one of those <laughs> government ones for you know, the tax code or something. <laughs> but no, um, it, it, it's true. It, you know, when we do one or when I do one, you know, I, I, I know where my stop lines are, uh, where we actually stop, take, take that minute or two, 
okay, you know, sedative goes in or the, the induction agent goes in and I verbalize, I say, okay, we're stopping for two minutes and we, everything just stops, you know, keep begging for the patient, whatever else we're doing, draw up some more meds, whatever. Usually I already have everything drawn up before, you know, ahead of time, but take those two minutes, let your, you know, induction agent work, put the patient under, you know, then verify, you know, flick the eyelashes, something, make, make damn sure that your patient is not going to be conscious when you paralyze them and take their right to breathe away. Right. Cause um, now it, you think sedation with a paralytic is great if they're sedated properly, right? We right. have an under sedated patient. Now we're taking away their, their way to breathe, right? Their mm-hmm. ability to breathe is gone once we use a paralytic, but they're still conscious. Imagine being unable to breathe, unable to move, and your eyes are still open and you're conscious to the world. And that's know right. what's going on. So and know you're what's panicked, going on. Scared. Right? Yeah, that's horror. Yeah, it's, it's awful. It, that is the worst, most scary thing that I think we could do as, as EMS providers. No, and it happens so often. You know? Right. You <laughs> right. Know? And it happens so often. People are under sedating patients. Constantly. Constantly. We see it in the hospitals. We see it in pre-hospitals. And it's just, it's another thing that we should, we should talk about. Um, when we, you, you bring up methodical, slow process, right? Mm. You and I have done, in, you know, RSIs before. Um, I have not done one with you yet, no, Emily. not yet. Um, but I've been a, a part of multiple in both EMS agencies that allow them and um, this is a 15-minute process, right. at least. Easily, yeah. The intubation is 30 seconds. Right. But this is a long process. I mean, uh, the the greatest gift that my wife ever gave me for EMS was my RSI card. Right. I, it is a verbatim checklist mm-hmm. on everything that you need to do. I hand that to my EMT and I say, read it. Start at step one and don't go past it until I say it's done it's there, right? Have we done the, you know, the beginning GCSL? Have we started the five minute ticks on the monitor? Have we pre-oxygenated our patient by putting high flow nasal cannula for a nitrogen washout? Have we done those things? Yes. Okay. Now I can move on, right? It is so methodical that the intubation is like, you know, details. Right. It's the fourth nature to the, to the actual RSI. Right. The biggest thing that I always try and do is that that calm in the storm. Right. RSI. Now you're you. There is a significant reason as to why you are intubating this person. Right. There might be vomitus in the airway. You're suctioning. You have to protect it. There might be blood in the airway or they might not be able to breathe anymore. And now you have to breathe for them. Those are serious, you know, serious conditions as to why we're intubating somebody. And. A lot of people would have the oh crap pucker factor because now we're going down the RSI route. We were just fine and dandy and we just took a left turn down really shit road. Yeah. Right? I would be nervous. Mm-hmm. I've seen our, I've been a part of RSIs where I'm the calm and everyone else around me are chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that there's no you know, chaos that, oh, it's so methodical that everything is just, you know, purely antiseptic and, you know, clean and everything's done nice, you know, with, uh, 
you know, all all the, you know, care in the world. No, I mean, you know, you tear shit apart. You throw stuff around the back of the ambulance and whatnot. But, you know, at least I do. Um, I don't. Oh, I do. I, I'm, I'm a horrible, I'm, I'm, I'm a freaking, I'm my own hurricane. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you're moving with what I like to call moving with a purpose. You know, so yeah, we're not freaking out. We're not running around, you know, screaming, doing absolutely nothing. But, uh, you know, you're, you're moving with a purpose, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the card, uh, you know, looking for my weight-based dosages. I'm, 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 I'm drawing stuff up pretty quick. But I guess for me, like, I, I tend to have uh, diarrhea of the mouth. So when I'm doing stuff, especially in our side in the back of the ambulance, I kind of verbalize everything I'm doing so everybody around me can hear exactly what I'm doing. Which I, Which I think we that's should be amazing. Doing, though. Yeah, we should yeah. be doing because if, yeah. you know, Gerard and I are on a call, I can be doing stuff the same. I yeah. mean, there's no reason I can't put a nasal cannula in Absolutely. them to, to put yeah. some high flow on. So we need to communicate that. But right. I think going back to the methodical, you need to check yourself to slow down when you're doing this. Mm-hmm. This isn't the time to forget a step. This isn't the time you're managing somebody's airway. So it's really important to take the step, go slow, mm-hmm. make sure you have it. In the hospital, we do, I'm sure you guys have heard, the timeout for a yeah. procedure. And you just kind of make sure everything's ducks yep. are in a row, if you will. I think that we need to bring that pre-hospitally and just, okay, are we all on mm-hmm. the same page? What are we doing? This is where we're going to go. We're going to start at step one. Let's go. Yeah. And and as the that is the exact way I look at it. You look at it, you know, you and I did one, I was talking, you were talking and we did it literally on the side of the highway. Yep. (laughs) Pulled our EMT in the back and said, you're going to be doing BLS airway stuff. You were doing meds. I was getting out all the other equipment we needed. It took 15, 20 minutes. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what it did. Yeah. And you and I were not quiet at all through the entire thing. It was... Are we willing to intubate this person? Yes. Cool. Yeah. We're in agreement. That's usually my very first question. Right? Do we is all it necessary? That, do we all concur this is this is good for an RSI? So I would look, you know, the, the one time I did the one with her, you know, I looked at her. I said, you know, this is an RSI. Yes. The other medic uh, provider. Yes. Okay. Now, now we're good. Let's, right. Let's but as an EMT, that. don't forget, don't be afraid to speak up for that right. specific one. We came up with an alternate solution, but that it wasn't correct. the best option for the patient. So we ended up going to the RSI. Right. But right. don't be, I mean, don't be afraid to speak up. If an idea yeah. comes in, shout it out. Yeah. And, and it was, it was considered. I mean, as soon as it was brought up, okay. You know, at that point we decided to go for the RSI instead, but you know, in another case, yeah, it, it might've been, you know, more on the other side of the borderline where, you know what? Yeah, maybe, maybe we don't need to go that route. And, and there was, and there was one in the previous agency I worked in where I was called in as the second medic coming into a possible RSI situation. The medic needed more drugs to be able to get to the hospital. So I was more or less going for a narc pouch. Right. right? And they, they were going to do the RSI when I got there. I get there. I hear the story. I'm like, what's going on? Because I want to get filled in. And I hear the story. I take a look at the patient and I'm like, mm, dude, I, I'm not there yet. Have we tried? Like, I'm looking at med lists. I'm looking at the story, altered mental status and such. And I'm like, has anyone tried Narcan? Right. Like their pupils are tiny. They're altered. Their, you know, respirations are low. And they're on a med. Oh, but, the, you know, the, the facility didn't say they overdosed the guy. Well, of course they're not going to say they <laughs> overdosed the guy, right? 
So I was like, why don't we try it? Can't hurt. Right. Gave him to a Narcan. Guy woke right up. No RSI. Yep. And I'm and I felt bad because the other two providers are like, oh, well, you cooled my fun. I'm like, yes, I did, but betterment of the patient. They right. didn't need it. And think of how many more resources we have now. I mean, back in the day, we just used to intubate everybody. We have CPAP now. Right. I mean, we can still nasally intubate. There's other options that we can do before we take their ability for themselves to breathe. And I want to touch on that because she said something that 99% of providers don't think about: nasal intubation. Yeah. Right? At least yeah. in at least in this state. We still have access to nasal intubations before people fall off the I can't breathe from my own route. No one thinks about it. Mm -hmm. I've been there where I've RSI'd someone and I come home and I tell my wife, hey, cool. She's like, why didn't you just intubate them beforehand? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, they were still breathing. Like, oh. And it gets to the, you know, it's the shiny new toy. It's our new skill. It's Mm -hmm. high, you know, high adrenaline. We want to do it, but... Is it really the best for the patient? I'm going to try yeah. and let the patient breathe for themselves as long as it's safe for them to do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, you know, hand raised. I, I you know, I, I had one in particular where I could not get that, the other medic to, you know, do an RSI. And I just ran as fast as I could with a BLS airway and, and bagged the whole way. The thought of nasally intubating never crossed my mind. Right. Until later when someone said, hey, did you think about nasally intubating? I'm like, but providers, yeah. they forget. I mean, what did yeah. we do before RSI or MFI was around? Before we were able intimate. to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and if you're, you know, you have really not been in EMS all that long hmm. where I've seen providers nasally intubate people when I was an EMT. And yeah. it doesn't even, it doesn't even, like, I've been there. I've seen it. And every place I've worked has had some form of RSI. You know, the first place uh, where I worked uh, as an EMT and a paramedic, um, had MFI. The other place I worked that had no RSI capability whatsoever, but we had a uh, air medical base uh, like within sight of our station. So they just did it. It was hey, we're, we're coming to you, and they meet us outside the hangar and do the RSI themselves. You know, yep. uh, so I never really had you know I did kind of have RSI, you know, I always kind of had it at my fingertips. And then, you know, where I work now, same thing. I have it at my fingertips. I can do it myself. Uh, So I've never really been in that situation where I don't have access to it and I need to think of something else. Right. And I think more agencies are going that route. Mm -hmm. You know, where we work, there's five or six agencies in the county, but a majority of them don't do RSI. There's only two in the county that does it. You know, and that's interesting because there's no partnerships. There's no yeah. like, hey, I work for one agency, but I'm RSI credentialed and you work for, you know, a different agency that doesn't have it. Why can't we work together? Yeah. You can come do mine like Air Medical. But most companies are like, wow, that's way too much legal. I'm not getting in that boat. And that's OK. You know, I think it'll change 10, 15 so years too. down the road. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I think everyone's going to there's. Everyone's got a high of RSI or no paramedics are going to be able to intubate. I, I think that's yeah, one of the two there. routes it's going to go. And you know, There's the, going to be no gray area middle ground. And there are people banging the drum to take intubation away. And and you know, why is that, though? Because we suck. Because we suck, right? <laughs> and and this, you know, the three of us, literally, uh, before we started this, we're having a, an EMS discussion on how much we suck and why EMS doesn't do anything to improve it. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why I always say EMS deserves what we get. If we deserve or if we get no intubation, it's because we chose that route because we were, you know, one in 10 in intubation records. Mm -hmm. And we took 45 minutes to intubate one person sitting in the airway, watching their sat go down to 43 before we get it. Or we have providers who just don't do it, period. And, oh, right. Well, the hospital's five minutes away. Why bother? I'm just yep. going to let the hospital yeah, do let it. Yeah, let the hospital do it. Yep. And, and there's been providers, you know, again, not knocking certain people, but there's been providers that are like, nope, I'm never doing it, no matter how close or how far. Mm-hmm. I just choose not to do it. It's too scary. Mm-hmm. I understand that mentality, but I also don't. Like, I get that there's this is something, it, it's, it's a big deal to paralyze somebody to the point where they can't control their own actions. And then knowing that that paralytic's going to be in their system for, you know, you use socks, it's going to be in there 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Use Rocker Vec, you're looking at a half an hour to 45 minutes of no breathing. You miss you are bagging that patient wherever you're going. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get the, for a new paramedic, I can understand it more. I can definitely understand that it is a, you know, suddenly you're out there and there is no safety net under you and you're, you're just like, holy shit, now this is my show. And, uh, yeah, I, I can understand it more for someone who maybe is, you know, on the cusp of doing their very first one. But beyond that, you know, I don't necessarily take the fear excuse. I, I think, especially from more seasoned providers, I, I tend to think it's more of a complacency or, or sometimes even just a, I mean, even they for checked the, out, you know. But even for the more ser- more older providers that have been yeah. around a little longer, I respect that you don't, that you're not comfortable with it and you recognize it, but mm-hmm. then do something about it. Yeah. Right. Be better at it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Do what you have to do to get better at it, to get more comfortable with it, to know your drugs, to know... I mean, that's just a poor excuse. Then. Right. No, and that's, and I've seen it more so. It's actually the flip. I see the young, you know, eager super paramedics. Almost too eager to I got yeah. RSI. Remember yeah. the one guy, super ketamine guy in our, right. yeah, on our right. medic class, right? Right, right? He was going to go out and he was going to give ketamine to, to everybody. everybody. <laughs> and he was going to RSI everybody, everybody with ketamine, right? <laughs> he was, and I, I still don't think he's given Ketamine or no, RSI. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the I think the people coming right out of medic school that get their RSI card, they're like, boom, I'm I'm gonna That's use it. RSI on my next call. I don't care, toping, boom, you're yeah. getting a two. <laughs> Whereas the old salty curmudgeons are like, Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Like I, I want no part of that. Right. I don't even want to intubate people. I don't even want to be here anymore. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just waiting for my card to expire right. so I can leave. Right. You know? And I think that's, I think we need to get with those people, improve their skills, improve their, you know, they're trained to do it Mm -hmm. because you have to be, to be with the agencies, but they just choose not to do it. In my opinion, that's like being given CPAP, but being like, yep, nope, sorry, not going to do it. Right. You know, I just don't understand it. Uh, You know, it's a tool in the quiver, you know, uh, it's just another arrow we can use, um, and it should be looked at that as, you know, the tool of last resort. I think we've talked about yeah. this before. You know, RSI should never be the first, you know, thing to dive towards. Um, that being said, of course, you know, we, he and I have had a, 
like while we're you know I'm banging the drum. Hey, we need to we need RSI. Forget all this other protocol shit. We we got RSI, and you know, and it was and he was the voice of reason where it was no no no. Let's 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 take that that moment and we gotta we still gotta do. Let's CPAP. put our ducks in a row. Yeah, we still gotta do all this other stuff and. uh and then it didn't work, and we're like, all right, we're fucking on our side. And bringing, bringing that call yeah. up, I think that's one of those great decision-making calls. You know, we talked yeah. about decision-making last month in the fact that, yes, you and I sat there. I was coming in as the third paramedic that's on the right. scene. Yeah. Right? I forgot about that. Now we have status paramedicus and an EMT, <laughs> and I'm going, okay, here's what they got. Here's me looking at the global picture. Most of the time, the the primary medic is looking at the little picture. Yeah. They're not looking at the bigger picture. That's that's why second, third medics are sometimes really helpful. Not saying that, again, we got to RSI in the long run anyway. Mm. I don't think going RSI immediately was wrong. I also don't think that waiting out and going... The three duo nebs, the versed for anxiety, the you know, the mag that we gave, the decadron right. that we gave, the CPAP that we tried, yeah. all of that stuff. Maybe one of them actually worked, right? And we, you know, and we, and we could have avoided it. That was my thinking. It was just two different decision plans. Yeah. I don't think either one of them were wrong because I think a lot of people, if I didn't show up and ruin the RSI, you and the other medic would have done it. Probably, boom, yeah. done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, true. you bring up two, you know, there's two and three providers on these calls, but include the EMT. You know, you're still part of the crew. So go in and say, mm-hmm. like, hey, can we do something else before we intubate them? Yeah. Do we really want to kill their respiratory drive that they're doing on their own so that we can handle it? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sometimes it, it's not worth it. Again, it, having a good EMT and, and for all you out there that are, an EMT, that are just, just an EMT. I hate that. You know, yeah, I oh, God, too. I know how much I but hate that. For, for you EMTs out there, be a strong EMT. You know, you see your paramedic, you know, focusing in on, on something that, you know, is going to be as invasive as an intubation or, or an RSI intubation. You know, speak up. Hey, have we done everything we can do before you pull that trigger, before you have me call on a radio and get that other medic here? You know, are you sure we've done everything? As simple as that. It it is as simple as that. And I think we touched base on it uh, in one of our discussions where the the EMTs have to be given the confidence Mm -hmm. enough to be able to speak in those terms. But I think you, Emily, being as brilliant as you are, we can sit there and go, oh, okay, well, Emily... What do you think? And you'll be like, yeah, we've done this. We've done that. We've done that. You know what we can do. A lot of EMTs, they don't choose to know what we can do. They choose to know BLS and that's it. I have one that is exactly like that. Uh, Very nice person. Very, you know, personable guy. uh, Just does not seem to want to increases skill level as an EMT. But even without knowing that, I mean, I don't know all the protocols, even where I work for ALS providers. I'm a BLS provider. Just speak up. Like, have we done everything? Right. It's a simple thing. You don't even have to know the protocol. Right. Have we done everything before we do Right. Have we done everything? Is there anything else that anybody here can think of that we can do? In the hospital, when we do an arrest, before you call it, the doctor will say, and is there anything that anybody has that we can do? Right. It doesn't matter if it's the janitor. If they say something, we'll discuss it. Yeah. 
And I think that's lost in the EMS world because, again, everything is focused on paramedic heavy. The paramedic is the god that knows everything that is in control of everything as soon as they walk in the room. But paramedics don't have all the answers sometimes. There's been plenty of times where I drop people off at the ear and I'm like, I have no fucking idea what I just (laughs) dropped off. They were alive. They had a heartbeat and a good blood pressure. And that's all I care about. Because what's wrong with them? Fuck fine out. Well, no, I mean, that's the, all you get. The, that's the, all you get. The one place I used to work, um, the local, I don't even want to say hospital, uh, it was a critical access hospital, if you don't know what that is, it's basically a, a building that has an urgent uh, care. four beds, <laughs> two nurses, sometimes one nurse, and a doctor. Usually a PA. Usually a PA. In this case, we actually had a doctor. We actually had a couple doctors. Uh, but one, only one I would actually call a doctor. Uh, the other two... I don't know, not so much. Um, but Doc was was one of those where, you know, if I brought something in or somebody else brought something in, you know, nine times out of ten, just because they didn't have the manpower, or even if they got somebody on a walk-in and they didn't have the manpower, they would call us and have us come down and assist in the emergency room. And I've been there when Doc is we're, we're got this patient and septic as hell, and we've done everything. We got pressers going, we got all this other stuff. Just, Lines going every which way. It's you know mass hysteria. Dogs and cats are living together, and finally, <laughs> at the end of it, you know, before we decide that okay, we're gonna we're gonna need to fly this woman out to you know higher level of care to an actual you know facility, uh, 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 an actual hospital. Doctor, around and you know, Doc, I'm talking about. He uh, mm-hmm. turns out he says, anybody else have any ideas in this room? And I'm looking, I'm looking like, well. Did anyone ever put her on end title? He's like, awesome, quick, <laughs> put her on end title. Nobody, when we'd walk there's in, no wrong nobody had, there's, nobody yeah. thought there's no that. wrong answers. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm going to urge my the EMTs listening. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. Just put it out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So moving the conversation along, I want to get into the, the whole sedation mm. uh, fiasco, uh, I would say. There's, there's nothing worse in an RSI than... Even any intubation, post-RSI sedation is atrocious. Hospital sedation. Now, granted, I don't work in a hospital. My wife used to. My wife still goes in and does transports in and out of the hospital from RSI patients on a weekly basis. Mm. Literally, the first thing she does is give sedation. More sedation. Yeah. Because they, she says... 99 times out of 100, they are under-sedated. Significantly. 100% agree why with that. Is, why do you guys think this is such an issue that EMS and hospitals either choose the wrong sedation? I mean, literally, I dropped off a patient at a, at a, at a hospital, and I said, here's the story. They've been hypotensive the entire time. They're on, you know, they're going to need, you know, Pressers, like I had already had a presser on, given them, you know, a 1,500 or 1,700 mLs of fluid. They're getting levofed. And I did not feel that they were, even with the use of ketamine as an induction agent, mm. I did not feel they were resuscitated enough to be RSI'd, mm. right? If I had RSI'd them, they were going to crash no mm. matter what. I tell all of this to the doctors and the resident sits there and goes, okay, uh, verse seven sucks. What's the next thing that happens is right. m- 
three people are running by me because now they're doing CPR. I'm right. like, what the? Cr- I just told you all this. Yeah. I've, I've had and I've had doctors where I've uh, I've brought an intubated patient in, and you know, sedation is starting to wear off, and they're starting to buck the tube. And I go to tell the doc, hey, patient's bucking the tube. You know, you want me to give some sedation, or do you want to go give some sedation? And I verbatim the words that came back were. Oh, I'll paralyze him before I sedate him. That's a huge thing in the hospital. That is a huge thing. Guys, picture that you can't breathe already. You're panicked. You're sick. You're in pain. And now you're breathing through a tiny straw. That's what it's like to be intubated. It drives me insane. Because paralyzing them is not taking any of those feelings away. Yeah, it it only makes everything worse. Absolutely. Right? Because now, again, we go back to that, that thought process and that, Imagine being a person who doesn't have the ability to breathe on their own, is breathing through a tiny straw on a machine, and you can't do anything about it, but your eyes are open and you are aware of everything. And you're feeling everything. Exactly. Intubation is a horrifically painful process. That's why we give post-sedation and pain management. A lot of people don't ever give the pain management. Yeah, Yeah. and I've been questioned as to, I mean, literally... Why? Oh, you gave two 80 milligram doses of ketamine? Why Why did you do that? And I'm like, uh, for ongoing sedation. Well, why did you give the second dose? Because I saw purposeful movement of his hand. Yeah. Or, hey, you know what? I just <laughs> want know? them to be comfortable. Right, right. And not <laughs> feeling a freaking plastic tube down their throat. Yeah. And Maybe and that's a reason, right? too. It's almost like they're surprised when we're like, yeah, I sedated them so they don't feel awake and which is amazing because pre-hospitally i think yeah. is notoriously terrible at sedating yeah. at post-sedation they just don't and my i mean why is that are we not paying attention to our patient do we not recognize we're in the hypermetabolic state and maybe they're going through the meds faster or you know something's going on that they're either metabolizing it too fast or too slow or not the same way that we think it should happen I don't know. I think a lot of times, like just from my own perspective, um, the weight-based dosing, um, unless you grew up as a carnival barker, uh, you're, you know, are, I think lots of times we don't really get the weight right when we guess it. I, we don't. And then it, we go it, and if, we use a weight-based dosage for something that, you know, we have no idea what their actual weight really is, and we under-sedate. And I think from my perspective, the times I've done this and I've had to sedate or use any kind of weight-based medication... And I don't know what that patient's exact weight is. I always feel like crap. I'm I'm not going to give them enough. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know. I think a lot of times too, they're I, doing these weight based drugs and they're giving it and they're saying, okay, well that's what the weight is. Right. Not remembering that like this is a guess. I might be off. Right. And pay attention. How, watch but, the patient. But again, yeah. because we all suck, how many times have you been a part of something where someone goes, okay, how much do you think this patient weighs? And the first guy says, up oh, hundred kilos. Oh yeah. No, no, that's good math. Right, that's gonna make math nice and easy with round numbers. Right. But they might weigh eighty kilos, or maybe they weigh one hundred and twenty kilos, and you're just going, eh, hundred kilos. No, yeah. I I think it would be awesome. Uh, again, Striker and Ferno, Ferno, if you're listening, pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> I'm gonna make you a billion dollars, and you best give half to me. That's For all real. I'm asking. Why don't we have the ability? To put the zero weight thing, like hospitals have, right, in the, the they weigh their patient in the bed, right? Yep. Let me zero the weight before you put them on the on the freaking right. bed. 
Why don't we have that capability? Boom. Zero the weight before they sit no on more, it. No more guesswork. Boom. No more guesswork. I mean, you know right? why, though? Because how long has it been that we've had weight-based drugs? Re- in reality. It's, it's coming more and it's, more. Yes. So as practice is evolving, we're realizing that we right. can't have these standardized doses for every patient. And a lot of it, too, is ideal body weight. Yes. So ideal body weight, the kilograms, what they what they weigh isn't going to matter. Right. It's how tall they are. Mm-hmm. Right. right? So, and I think a lot of providers forget certain meds in RSI are ideal. are ideal body weight. Others are real body right. weight. Right. I think mo- a lot of people just go 100 kilos and it's, and it's fine. Right. But no. We actually have to figure out these, these, you know, right, these dosages and then utilize our cards because everyone should have an RSI card. My wife has to, it is, it is a, you know, uh, I guess a rule of the job that they have to know all of their RSI drugs by heart all the time, no matter what. I don't, I I don't, she does three a week. She had, she, what was it? She did six RSIs in three shifts. That's two a shift. Yeah. I don't do six RSIs in three years. <laughs> and I said that. And I was like, that's why I don't remember any of the doses. That's why we have the cards. I get the it's cards. True. I get my protocol app out. I go, okay, I want to give ketamine. It sucks. Yeah. Here's what I need to figure out. Yeah, that's like why it's a methodical pop. Rate, you, know? you know, it's a process. <laughs> Um, and even and playing on that card, I'm going to urge all you medics, like, why are you choosing the drugs you are? Because I can't tell you how many times I've asked on an R sign and I'm like, well, what about, you know, you want to use sucks. Why not rock? And the answer that I get is sucks is easier to dose. That's a terrible answer. That is an awful answer. <laughs> um, and like, like we've had that conversation about uh, one of the ones I did with, with you. And, you know, my, and my answer wasn't the dosing. It was I was always under the impression that it was it would be better to paralyze for and, less amount of right, time. To paralyze for less and just sedate so that the hospital can do their thing when we get there. Um, not really thinking that, you know what, yeah, rock probably would have, would have been the, the, the better mm-hmm. option for the patient. Um, so I, I have since changed my thought process and will be well aware of that the next time. And, and I think a lot of it has to go with what's available at your agency. There's yeah. agencies that only carry socks. Yeah. yeah and true. there's agencies that only carry socks and rock and no, or socks, socks and socks. <laughs> Rock, but no vec. No, like us, a lot have, of people don't you know, carry vec. And, yeah. and there's, and then there's the and other that was, place that, that I work that, well, we that I have, have everyone. Yeah. yeah, that was my first thing. I said, well, I don't have vec, so I just went with the socks. <laughs> you know? I think that sucks is is in our area the drug of choice for the paralytic. I but agree. There's a lot of side effects that we don't really pay attention to, and there's a lot of instances where we should not be using. Yes. it. not even just side effects, but you know, all of the all of the you know contraindications. Even just a simple head injury, there's enough there's enough data out there that shows that sucks may increase ICP, but there's also not enough data out there that shows that it doesn't. So why are we not using rock or VEC for a head injury patient? And you think about all the people that you guys have on our side, you two specifically, and how many are renal patients or diabetic or hypertensive or you know whatever the case may be. And you have to be careful with sucks on these patients because of that potassium release. Right. And but how, it's never and, a thought in the mind. But how many times don't we even know that when we're, you know, right. when, by the time that yeah. we're deciding take over the airway? Yeah. Right. Maybe it's not something that you have the ability to ask, Absolutely. right? We're protecting an airway on an unconscious person, but they're still breathing on their own. We still have to RSI them. Yeah. We can't just intubate them. We don't know what their history is. But think about that when you're going through meds. I mean, mm. what, like one third of America has diabetes or something. Right. And, 
you know, think of all the kidney failure out there and look at your patient and just don't just automatically go to sucks because that's, you know, easier dosing or you more know about it, know more about it. Mm. Find out about your meds, know your meds. Mm. And it, it really, one. it's always what is the best for the patient. Right. Not what's, nothing is what's best for us. I think that's, a, a, I think a lot of EMS providers believe that. It's like, oh, well, this will be easier to chart. It'll be easy to figure yeah. out. But are you doing what is in the best nature of your patient, right? Yeah. Are we are we sedating them? Are we looking for signs that, oh, look, there's a blood pressure spike, right? They were just trending 120 over 80, but now it's like 140 over 90. Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, do you see a, a, a heart rate change, mm-hmm. right? Are they breathing over the vent, right? Some people don't even have vents. We have terrible vents yeah, where I'm we like. Use them. I just bag them. Right. I, I use them, but I use them very carefully. Right. I am now on, you know, peak 3000 in watching my patient. I can't just sit back and do my chart anymore. The few few times I've I've tried to hook it up and and get it to work properly to the the point where I'm satisfied that it's doing a good job. Is never. I've just, I've pulled it in and I've the patient the whole way. Yeah. I just, I, I know, I know I can ventilate that patient the way I want them. Yep. And I can feel the compliance in the bag. I can I, I feel what's going on with my patient. If you give me a ventilator that I know is reliable and is going to do a good job, I'll use it. You give me one of the little things, I don't trust it. I'm not using it. I and, know I trust my hand. Right. And a lot of times, you know, those set it and forget it vents. Yeah. You know, you have no way of putting in the proper tidal volume for your patient. Right. You know, there's it's just blowing holes in the lungs and you're just hoping that it doesn't. Um, I'll just grab a fireman and say, here you go. Squeeze that bag as hard as you can. Yep. (laughs) It it really is. It's like, oh yeah, just, (sighs) oh, there's a thousand mls in the lungs. Great. So I got chest rise. Yeah. I got chest (laughs) rise. Are you sure? (laughs) Um, so I want to flip in now you have not done RSI's Emily, but you've been a part of, uh, I'm assuming many. I don't honestly know how many you've been a part of. I know that you and I have done our fair share. Is What is the worst and what's the best thing that you guys see from providers that you've worked with or, or just you know for, from providers that you've talked to within the RSI realm? Like, uh, let's start off with the worst thing that you guys have seen in the back with an RSI. Hmm. I know I put you on the spot. It's terrible. <laughs> well, no, for me, I, I at a, a previous agency um, where I was not uh, the lead paramedic. Um, I watched the intubation go through. Funny when we're talking about it, um, when I knew almost one hundred percent that that patient was not sedated properly. Um, there was eye movement. There was some movement in the hands uh, when the laryngoscope went in and I called it out. Nobody listened. I was a brand spanking new paramedic. What do you like, know? Yeah. What do I know? I'm just going to stand here and <laughs> shut the hell up. While this guy who's, you know, literally lives in bushes with a laryngoscope on his head, waiting to jump out and tube someone is sitting there dropping a tube. Um, <laughs> same one. Um, I, I guess another bad thing is like, and this is a great uh, example of, Hey, just because I'm a brand new, you know, shiny card medic, I have that card for a reason. So same individual doing an intubation, doing an MFI, and 
puts a tube in and okay we're in and I'm down with the stethoscope listening to the stomach and I hear air and I go to the lungs left and right and I don't hear a damn thing I look up at the end title it's flat as a board I said no you're not in you're in the, you're in you know you're in the esophagus no I'm not yeah man you are <laughs> <laughs> you know and it, it literally took me convincing but it, it took probably 30 seconds to convince him that based on everything that he was seeing that he had missed because he just doesn't miss right we all are and gods and we were this. pulling a tube going through the whole rigmarole again and it was you know got him on the second try but you know again you have just because you have a new provider or an EMT or somebody because an EMT can listen to epigastric sounds too mm-hmm. it doesn't take a genius to hear whoosh whoosh Yep. You know, um, you have someone that's telling you, hey, you know, maybe you're not in or or, or verifying. Hey, okay, you're good. You're in. Listen to the people around you. You know, and, they're there and for I, a reason. One of the greatest practices that I uh, I always make the EMTs do, Yeah, I said it with our mm. EMT, tell me what's on the monitor. Right. Through the yes. entire thing. Yes. Right. Yeah, call the numbers out. All they yeah. do after they're done with the card, and now I'm sitting there intubating. Right, you've given the meds. Yep. You say, okay, ADIA sucks, just went in, or whatever it might be. Yep. Meds are good. Let's check. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have right, you know, conditions for intubation. Now I'm focused on the intubation. All that EMT does is tell me blood pressure because it's cycling every three minutes, right? right? So maybe it changes mm-hmm. while I'm in there. Right. And I don't have end title on at that point in time, so that they can't tell me, but SBO2 yep. and heart rate. Are they dropping bradycardic? Mm. Is there, you know, did we not oxygenate enough pre-intubation? Right. Now they're dropping, you know, super fast. That's all they do. Yeah. If I get a number that I'm like, oh, nope, I'm done. See you later. Goodbye. Yeah. Let's re, you know, resuscitate mm-hmm. and try again. Yeah. Um, that's a great job for someone who's just standing by doing nothing. And yeah. you can put them, I mean, I'm, when I'm picturing an RSI, I'm picturing in the back of the ambulance, put them at the foot of the stretcher where they're not really in the way. You know, you guys are moving around. Put them down there. They can still read the monitor. They can still shout out these numbers. Absolutely. And it's something they can do without, maybe it's a new ENT and they don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They can read the numbers on the screen. And right. I, I tell, you know, especially new EMTs, you know, when we're talking about intubating and stuff like that, and I, I introduce them to you know, this is the kind of stuff that you will be taking part in. There's always something for you to do. Always. Don't mm-hmm. just stand there and be a bump on a log. At the very least, hey, you know what? You see the patient's head flat against the, the stretcher? Grab some towels. This is what sniffing position is. Mm-hmm. You guys can figure it out. You know, you know you're know, you at a sternal notch. Go ahead and put a couple towels over that head. I can't tell you, you how know? many times somebody's gotten ready to intubate and I just lift the stretcher up. Yeah. To 30 degrees. Absolutely. Yep. You're going to sit there and bend your back down. Right. No, just move the stretcher up. Elevate Our stretchers stretcher. move. Right. Yep. You know, there, I think harder. that's a lot of old medicine. You know, we yeah. intubate people when they're flat. No, oh. we intubate people when they have 30 degrees head elevated or more. Yep. Right? Beautiful picture. Get all that, you know, gravity off their chest. Right. It's beautiful. It is. So, Emily, let's go to you. What, Looking at that EMT perspective... What are you seeing that is a detriment negativity in the RSIs that you've been a part of? So you kind of touched on it. The one, um, I can't tell you how many RSIs I've gotten kicked out of the ambulance for. And I think that you're it's not. because you're opinionated. Probably. 
way too opinionated. Um, but you're just you're not utilizing to the best of your abilities. You know, even if there's the one that I had actually gotten kicked out of, I had a new EMT that was training with me and give them the experience. We're never going to learn unless you let us do it. You know, put us at the foot of the stretcher. Let us read the numbers. Um, if you don't agree with something I'm saying, just tell me you don't agree with it and move on. You know, at least you're thinking about it. And that's the point that I'm making. You know, the one that I had gotten kicked out on, I suggested a different med. The medic didn't like it. And I was outside the ambulance, but you know, there's, there's things that can be done. Um, on that particular one, I told him to get the BVM. He didn't get the BVM. We never had a BVM when they're intubated. So shame on us. Yeah. And I, I think it's a great point that no matter what level provider you are on an RSI, you are part of my team, at least in the back of my ambulance. I don't care who the hell you are. As long as you're not family, mm. you are back there with me doing something. Absolutely. Even if it's reading off of my checklist card. That's it. Yeah. That, that, that enough. That the monitor. At that in the monitor, right? I have no idea how helpful that is. It is to free me up from having to think about something else when I'm preparing myself going, okay, how am I, is this going to look like a bad intubation? How am I going to do this? Am I using video? Am I using direct? Why am I doing that? Why, what are the complications you know, that I'm going to anticipate for this? What right. are, you know, if I'm thinking of meds, what are my dosages? Am I sure those are right? Is this going to be enough? What are the side of potential side effects of that? Right. There's too much going on. There's way too much going on, you know, and then you throw emotions on top mm-hmm. of that because we're all human and we have them, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this guy blew half his face off and I'm going to be aiming through blood to bubbles. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm puckering at that point going, please, God, don't let me miss. Yeah. Right. So there's that whole thing that I'm dealing with an EMT that can sit there and take all of the stuff that I don't have to worry about away from me. I love them. Yeah. It, it it disappoints me that paramedics shun them like they're garbage or trash or useless. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is for all the providers out there, you have to remember that you are there for the patient. So I don't have to like all my partners. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I am there for the patient. So just do what is in the best interest of them. Yeah. And I would say, you know, even if things do get heated or whatever, like you know, again, there's... You're only as strong as your weakest link. You're 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 gonna have another call. Mm-hmm. You know you can't harbor animosity. You can't stew on it. You can, you, you got to get over it and just move on. You know uh, if if you know you've been yelled at or I know I've been yelled at plenty of times. Mm-hmm. You know um, you just okay. It was in the heat of battle. We're we're moving on from here. Yep. It's and, a team, but learn the team from concept, it. right? Exactly. Learn from it and listen to what these people Have are saying. Have a discussion yeah, exactly. about it. Right. You know, like, exactly. and that's the big thing. Learn from it. Yeah. You know, um, grow as a team as providers. Be like, hey, what did we do that right. was bad, good, ugly, whatever? What Why we did we fight? Better? Right. Yeah. You know, um, I think going to the last of what can we do better during RSIs is pre-RSI management. Mm-hmm. So not so much how did we get to the RSI, but we have to be thinking resuscitation pre-intubation. Mm-hmm. So many providers out there will sit there and go, oh yeah, they're uh, the the best that I can get their you know, SPO2 is 90 mm-hmm. or 88. It's just good enough. I got to intubate them. No. Find a way to get it above 90, 92, 93, 95, yeah. right? Get as high as you possibly can, even Absolutely. if it takes 10 minutes right. longer, Yeah. right? 
make sure they have a damn good blood pressure, please. Yeah. Right? Right. How many times have we sat there and watched people do an intubation when they're 80 over 40? Mm-hmm. They don't have pressors running. They've only been given 300 of fluid. Take time to resuscitate your patient. Right. Because if you Prepare don't... Prepare their body for the experience. Exactly. That's yeah. all you're doing. There's a brilliant yeah. way to put it. If you don't prepare the body for the bradycardia that's going to happen, for the hypotension that's going to happen due to the drugs, and the sheer stress of mm-hmm. an intubation mm-hmm. and paralyzation, you're just going to be doing pushy-pushy anyway. Right. Yeah. So why, why are we taking that chance and not preparing the body for it? Take the extra time. This is not rapid. Mm-hmm. That's, I wish they would go back to the, the medical facilitated intubation yeah. because it's not RSI at all. Right. There's nothing rapid about it. MFI is a better, it, it, I think it's a better way better term. for it. It just it doesn't just sound good. Use the RSI model. Don't do, do the MFI model because that's just a waste of time. But yeah, just, just swap them around or get rid of the one and just get rid of, just, let's just do this one way with this one acronym and be done with it. Yep. But I, as far as like things that I think, um, are good to do uh, during RSI, uh, and I know just because it's me, uh, verbalization, um, delegating, you know, the roles in advance, you know, hey, okay, I'm on drugs, you're on airway, EMT, you're going to be bagging, you know, give me one breath every five, you know, every five seconds, and, and yeah, I know they know how to, do, how to bag somebody, but just to get that out there so everybody is on the same page, we know that we're breathing one every five, because eventually... I'm going to say, I need you to beg one every three now mm-hmm. because we're going to pre-oxygenate. We're, we're going to hyperventilate the patient, get get that that, that wash out because when I go in, it might take me a little bit. You right. know, I might not just go, oh, there it is, and throw it right in like, you know, Ahab. But, uh, you know, I think verbalization, keeping that that team cohesiveness, I think that's a big part of it is, you know, like I said, when, I draw, when I'm drawing up meds, everyone knows what I'm drawing up. Everyone knows the dose I'm drawing up. I'm, everyone's hearing me. You know, um, so I think that that I think goes a long way in keeping everybody on the same page and, and everyone knowing what their role is going to be. How about you, Emily? So I think the one thing that we could do better is um, education. And I think that we need to do more of it. So I know, you know, if you have an RSI, you do an RSI class, say, every year. But we need to be doing more of that and included. So where I work, um, our RSI class is only attended by medics. And I think that's a huge disservice yeah. to half of our agency because there's an EMT on this call too. Absolutely. So I push and push and push to have a BLS RSI class. But even if not, put the BLS providers in the RSI. Educate them. Expose them. The more that we're exposed to it, the better off we're going to be for you guys. And yeah. I, and that's it. Really, the exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, let, let them get familiar with seeing what equipment we're going to be using. And, and I mean, I remember I was on one where... We were getting everything ready, and uh, I was doing drugs. The paramedic was doing airway. Or the other paramedic was doing airway. Um, we'd gotten everything out, and the EMT went, "Hey, you guys forgot your tube holder." Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, that would kind of suck yep. if we don't have a way to hold this in place. So yeah, if they know that, hey, there should be a tube holder there, but there isn't one. Hey, paramedic, you know, talents on loan from God. 
Yeah, you should. Uh, <laughs> you get your two pulled around. You know? uh, it's it's from God. <laughs> <laughs> um, only half the population will get that reference, right but anyhow, um, I I think you both are on. I I love communication. You and I yeah. in ours. That's all we heard. That I think that calm feeling mm-hmm. though needs to be there right this is mm-hmm. this is a facilitated process we're not rushing even if the circumstances say oh my god this is bad we still shouldn't be rushing right people call us to make sure that when shit hits the fan there's someone calm and not running around like mm-hmm. a maniac there's been too many times where i've had to literally grab hold of the other paramedic and been like, stop it. If you keep going like that, I am going to slap the shit out of you. Stop it. Right? Bring that calm. I, You and I, literally our EMT was like, that was the calmest, smoothest, quietest, yeah. other than us discussing right. what we were going to do. Yeah, there was no extraneous BS. There was, it was, there was just... nothing. Right? That should be every single one no matter what. You yeah. watch my wife do them. With the air medical, that's how every single one is done. It's it's just calm. Bring the calm. Uh, I wish more people, you know, more providers would do that. And one I thing that somebody told me when I first started EMS is to always remember to keep calm and that it's their emergency, not yours. Yeah. So you have to own that. This yeah. is not. This is not about you. That's so right. just relax. You need to help them. And, we and, got this. Yeah, and and take that, you know, advice for every aspect of the job driving to scenes yes you know especially if it's dispatch priority one or you know delta response whatever you're you know wherever you are whatever the the you know lights and sirens classification is you know slow your roll it's their emergency not yours just just be cool yeah how are you you've heard a thousand yeah. times how are you going to help if you don't make it there yeah, if we don't get there we ain't doing nothing you know how how are you going to help if you're running around like a maniac on scene going oh my god this is bad yeah right. that's why i'm here right. thank you yeah, or you, you jump out of the rig, grab the monitor, and tear off into the house, and you're, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot everything else. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Um, uh, like my partner. Where's my partner? <laughs> oh shit! Now I'm stuck in the house. Right. That actually happened to where I. This will be the last story. I went in with my partner to a house because, of course, I don't leave my partner anywhere. Correct. But then the homeowner locked the door behind me. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, not cool. That's my direction of egress? No. And they were like, well, we lock it. We live in the city. We lock it. I was like, I don't care. As long as I'm in this house, that door stays unlocked. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. And they were like, well, no. I said, all right, well, then I'm going to call PD and I'm going to wait outside. That's mm-hmm. scene safety issue. There Sorry, is. mm-hmm. not happening. Right? Yep. It, it's just always yeah. keep the calm. Yeah, just, just slow your roll. Um, you know, again, knowing it's an RSI is going to be a procedure, you know, you're going to be there for 10 to 15 minutes, hopefully 15 minutes. Um, maybe sometimes more depending on, you know, like I said, we can, if it takes a long to get the saturation up mm-hmm. or, you know, get a presser going to get the BP up. Hey, we're going to be here a while. So settle in, you mm-hmm. know, smoke them if you got them, <laughs> you know, relax. Well, don't smoke them because we got, you know, oxygen flowing, but you know, think about a nice, you know, cigarette and a cup of coffee and, and, you know, sunny beach, palm tree swaying in the wind. Go to your happy place. You know, we have happy places. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Mine's are, mine's are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you just have to. 
you know, you have to find that 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 inner peace where time just kind of slows down a little bit and you focus on your tasks. Um, you know, checklist usage I can't stress enough. Uh, doing our side. Amazing. Oh, yeah, I love my, it. In Amazing. My, in my previous life, you know, we lived and died by checklists. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so this is, in our side, definitely something that, yeah, break the checklist out, keep it out. Before you do the intubation, review it and make sure you've done everything on it. It's a perfect, you know? as I said four times in this whole conversation, give it to your EMT, it's perfect. Yeah. Give it to the freaking fireman standing outside. Mm-hmm. Give it to a PD officer. Yeah. I don't care who you give it to, have them sit there and go, step one, Yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. Step two, okay, step one's done. What's step two? Do I need to do it? Yep. That's all it, you have to do. When you it. get to step 10 and that's your last step, cool. I'm good. We can proceed, yeah. right? And at the end, like, like I said, it, you know, in my previous lives, we, we used to call them uh, checklists and not do lists. So do what you got to do, but then stop. At the end, and check. Make yep. damn sure, you know, in God we trust, everything else we check. That should be our motto when it comes to doing RSIs. I agree. Uh, so it should be taught. Yep. yep. It, it'd be great. And, and just one last thing. It just kind of dawned on me. Uh, Five was, last things yes, ago. I, yes, I know. Right? <laughs> um, my digression knows no bounds. <laughs> um, and this was an experience I had doing an RSI, not in the too distant past. Um, and it goes along with what, what you had said in the beginning about uh, fear. You know, the, I hate to use the term fear factor, mm-hmm. but you know, great show. If, <laughs> yeah, I'm not eating any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are a provider and you f- and you feel that you've gotten in over your head, or you feel some kind of anxiety level or fear or something that is going to prevent you from doing your job, say something. Say so. Hey, I, I can't do this. You yeah, know, don't be a hero. Don't, don't. Because you're just going to fuck it up. And don't take up space. Uh, my, 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 just, I had one where the expectation was for this provider to do the airway um, and looked up after pushing the drugs and the provider was no longer at the airway, was sitting on the bench doing nothing. Never heard a word. Um, say something. Please. You know, if you, no one's going to yell at you. No one's going to freak out. We'll talk about it later and try to find out why you and improve in this place. Yeah. Right. And to get you over it and get you Learn past from it. it. Yep. If you're, if, if you know, if you're with good people and I think, you know, we're all kind of good people and we would try to help that person get, get past it but uh, you know and if I know there's people who you know are not so good people but the majority, the majority I, think, I think want to understand. be yes yeah. they understand because it might happen to them somewhere right. you know so don't be afraid you know if you do have that that level of fear or that anxiety any reason that you know I can't do this or I'm in over my head say something speak up you know we'll, we'll figure out a way you know so. I agree With that, I'm going to slide in and cut you off and say, Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you in 2021. Gerard, you wish it would be better than 2020. Yes, I do. I I would hope so as well. Guys, stay safe out there, and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. 
To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.